0: I sometimes second-guess myself, but I felt like when we started talking about faith that I said, I don't have the answers, and I don't know why it comes out the way it does sometimes. I like, well, what kind of encouragement is that to you? It is real. I don't have all the answers. There are families of faith, as I see them, that sometimes do not have the um, results with their children that they would like. I have also lived long enough to know that the end of the story we sometimes judge the story to end way too soon I have seen a number of children that seem to have walked away from it all but they have come back Not on the. Not, there were lots of years of worry and concern, I, I don't mean to minimize that but I, I just know one of my standard responses is be careful that you don't see the story end way before it does Now, let me speak some words of encouragement. Um, 69% of people say that their parents were the most significant influence in their development of faith. That's pretty good. And I'm a little bit concerned about these studies. I'm not quite sure that the rigor for some of them is as good as I would like when I quote studies, but for what it's worth, Another study says that of children from families where both parents went to worship with the children, 72% of those children uh, were churchgoers. And again, you will find these studies, and this is, this is appropriate, they're using a very tangible evidence, churchgoing, that obviously they're going people that don't, that don't have the Relationship with Jesus we might like but this is at least something that's very tangible to measure. Another interesting piece of this if it was only dad Taking the children to church. There was a 55% Significant uh, Church going and I'm not going to tell you how low it was with mothers because I think that's discouraging But I'm going to tell you that to say to you dads for some reason that seems to be especially significant. And I don't know if that has to do with sons, if dad's not involved thinking somehow that's not as important that faith is not as important I just I say that to affirm the importance of your role Okay there's so many scriptures. I, we could probably spend the morning doing nothing but just letting scriptures roll because frankly everything Almost everything in Scripture has to do with us living in front of our children. But there are some very specific ones, and some of these from Old Testament that I love, that we are commanded to teach our children. I don't think that's something that we just do passively or on the side, but that's something that we want to be very, very intentional about. Okay, And the model. The good news and the bad news is that your children are kind of like constantly running video cameras. And they see it all, which means they're going to see a lot of really good stuff. It also, it means that they're going to see sometimes when we fail. And there is value to your children in that. Because they can see how you acknowledge, how you seek forgiveness, and how you move on. And so, while I wouldn't say to you go out and mess something up this afternoon, we are all human enough that it's going to happen. And I think part of the process is to help the children understand that. Okay. Now, back up. We want to see our children to see how our faith, as it permeates and dominates our lives, um, and I, I I think they can't see that unless it's really happening. And so I think probably the most significant thing I need to do as a grandparent is look at my own life and my own choices and what am I living in front of my children and grandchildren that sends the message I want to send and what am I living in front of them that doesn't. Our families are not fooled. They know what's important to us. And I can say all day that material things aren't important, but if that's what dominates my life, they're gonna get that. If I say to them that prayer is important, but they only see me praying on special occasions or important occasions, they're gonna know that's not true. And so, they're going to see it for what it is. And, and so there's so, I feel like I am walking a tightrope because I want to encourage you to your best selves. But if you go home and think, oh, I'm blown it, I did this and I did that, and yes, my child's a video camera and he remembers this, then that's the last thing I really want to do. You got up and you got yourself here and you got kids here. That's impressive. Feel good about that. That's a huge message to your children. Okay, so be really careful about what you're hearing me say. Let me encourage. But if you go home and you've dug yourself a hole because of what I said, you haven't heard what I I haven't said. What I say, walk the walk and talk the talk. Okay, I think talking the talk is. As I've gotten older, I think it's more important. Now, there's a part of me that said, oh, I like to talk, and so maybe this is my justification, okay? Um, and Amy's 16-year-old paid me what to me is the sweetest compliment maybe I've ever had. He didn't necessarily mean it as a compliment. I think he meant to be kind of sweetly. Truly sweetly poking fun, but Mm -hmm. let me tell you this: But he got in the car and was talking about something that had happened or something we said in chapel, and and so I said, "And yes, well, that's why that's so important. I'm so glad you put it. That is that is the reason it's important that we're living every day." He said, "Grandma, you can find a lesson in everything." (laughs) Well, I'm guilty of that. I get that, but I was also thrilled because I want him to see that there is a lesson in everything and no research to this just Gail's observation might be right, might be wrong but in some of those situations where they're perplexing to me, where I've seen some families, some people that are friends of mine and I think they are believers in the true sense of the word but their children haven't been Again, my best guess at how that could have happened is they assumed the child knew why they were making certain decisions and why they were doing certain things. And I I think they would say, if we had to do over, we would do more talking about why we're doing this. Does that make sense? The good news, God redeems inferior and adequate examples. And we are not in this alone. I, I, I just, again, this is heavy, but I want you to, to know how much that I think God is with you and um, why that's important. Um, Go back to, <coughs> I'm sorry, there was something I didn't say that I really want. One more. We want our children to see our faith. When we've talked about parenting styles, when we've talked about uh, being authoritative and not being authoritarian, about using our power for the good of the child and not in selfish ways, that is part of that whatever you're doing in Word of D. You've been living that. You are now living that in front of your child. You are letting them see this is how you use power this is what is important this um, this is the reason I'm trying not to provoke you to wrath and we all have those moments when we are so ready to be there but this is the reason I'm trying to speak encouragement um, the reality of it is we can't give faith to our children I wish we could because we would all give it in abundance But what we can do is cause them to seek it. And so it is in our living as best we can and as them seeing it produce fruit in our lives that helps attract them to it. Okay, now let's go with that. (coughs) Okay, I love this. Always be prepared to give an answer to anybody who asks you the reason for the hope you have. So I want you to be really honest. Let your child, as age is appropriate, see you praise him, acknowledge mistakes, struggle to understand, and accept his grace. Again, this is the talking, but I think that's really important. Again, it needs to be age appropriate. Okay? There are certain things that are not appropriate for three-year-olds that are appropriate for eight-year-olds, and some things that are definitely not appropriate for eight-year-olds that are appropriate for a 15-year-old. But I think it's important that the child see to some extent how you make choices and even when it gets a little tough. I know that my children knew that I had some friends that sometimes tried my patience and they knew it wasn't always easy for me to respond. As I wanted to respond and they know that I didn't always manage to respond as I wanted to respond but I think that is healthy I don't think you want to share so much that you frighten your children that you burden your children but I remember saying and I think this was the right thing and later I'm going to tell you that I I we chose to come to be a church community every time the doors were open and I will recommend that but I will also acknowledge to you, there were a few times that we came that probably was not the best decision. We probably should have stayed home that Wednesday night. And I've even said that on the way home. I know we're exhausted, maybe we shouldn't. But this is the reason that I made the decision. Yes, it's a struggle, but this is the reason we did what we did. Um, and it's valuable for them to know you don't have to. And just I get, I'm really, really a believer in, in honesty. This is where I am right now. I don't feel good about this. I don't I, I don't know I don't know what God wants me to do with this right now. Because they're gonna face that. And if they think you have all the answers and then they grow up and they don't have all the answers, it's it's pretty disillusioning. They weren't prepared. Um, so again, I'm very, very comfortable with that.
1: Okay.
0: Um. Okay. If you don't get anything else from today. Take this one home. It's the hardest thing to do in parenting, and I think it's especially hard in faith. We talked about it briefly last week. Keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. I told you last week in terms of. Um and this may speak much more to my generation than to yours, but um, I, think it's, I think it is true to the generation that you grew up in, at least some of you, that faith was presented as this package, and this is what we believed, and so there was this, this body of belief, and it was like everything was ranked equally, And so the divinity of of Jesus and the grace of God and the omnipotence with God were ranked, but so was your feeling on divorce and so was your feeling about how many children an elder had to have and so was your feeling about this and that and the other. And when the time came, (coughs) there were a number of people that didn't buy what they had been taught about this issue or that issue. And they threw the whole thing out. So I would encourage you to decide what for you, what is really important. And I will tell you that for me, what is really important has gotten narrower and narrower as I've gotten older. Yes, I would like my children to believe everything exactly like I do. But I can tell you not even my husband believes. Okay, and I've been influencing him for fifty years, <laughs> or maybe he's been influencing me for fifty years. Um, but, but I, I want to be. I've chosen to say, no. I don't want you to throw it out. But this is what I really don't want to throw. It. This is what I really expect. You all, maybe, maybe no more than a handful of you even know ever met Ruth Rocker. She was kind of the matriarch of this church. which just wonderful. And I remember her teaching a class similar to this and saying that she remembered that, you know, what her parents taught her. And she married, she married fairly young and she went and established her family and her home and she kept this and this and this that her parents had told her. But she figured that out. She figured that out. And she said, and when her first child was grown and ready to marry, she thought, oh. I can't think of a thing that she needs to throw out. Well, they're going to throw some things out. So I think you want to be really sure that they're getting what is most important. Now, if building faith is the most important thing we do as parents, it's going to receive more attention and effort and energy and teaching and guidance. Now, I was in the education of young children. That was my career. And I saw lots of parents, appropriately, I would argue they're spending lots of energy concerned about how good a student their child was, how much they were learning academically, how popular they were, even how good a sports person they were, okay? But if faith is really important to me, then my mm. antenna wants to be out there monitoring my child in terms of their... Exposure and development of faith. Okay? And your kids know what your value system is. They know is it more important that I get a good grade or is it more important that I love Jesus? Okay, we talked about overcorrecting, that if there are things that your parents Mm -hmm. pushed on you in the name of religion, in the name of faith, that you objected to, and yes, that that may be very valid. The tendency is to swing a little too far away from that. I want to be really sure I was guilty to death, and I'm gonna be really sure my children don't feel guilty about anything. I'm gonna suggest to you that an overdose of guilt is very unhealthy, but the absence of guilt, I believe, could be equally unhealthy. So I'm just, again, be really careful that keeping the most important thing most important. Okay. Okay. Kendra Smiley talks about um, the difference in what she calls convenient and committed believers. And if I go back to the families that I expected their children to be people of faith, and they haven't been, I suspect this has something to do with it. Um, Committed says we go. I mean, convenient says we go when it's convenient. I am not trying to send anybody on a guilt trip. Not my goal, okay? But your kids know if church or any other faith-related things or something that's a priority, or something that we do if all the pieces fit in right. You know, my kids, we were going to get up and go to church on Sunday morning. You know, un- unless somebody's throwing up, and then the other parent's going to take those that are not. I mean, that's just, that's what we did. That's very different than the family that. It's been a good week. We got to bed early last night. It's not raining. Yeah, I I think we'll go to church this morning. And again, I want you to be here anytime you can be here, okay? But that's a very different matter. It has to do with how are we responding when there is a need in our church family. Is that... And somebody else just—I'm just too busy. Somebody else can take care of that. Huh? Oh, I, I think there might be something we could do. I can't take them to supper every meal, but you know what? I could stop and pick this up on the way home, and I wonder if that would be helpful to them. Or i you know, i can make a phone call, or I can send—you send a text. I can send a text.
1: Am I, am I making sense?
0: Okay, here's some real specifics. No research based on this, just my life research, okay? If I want to think about things that I think are important to bring our kids to faith, love scripture and let the knowledge of the Bible be more important than any other knowledge. Okay? And tell your story of faith to your child often. I don't have this exciting Damascus moment, I used to kind of wish that I had not been (laughs) this is awful, that I had not been raised in, I mean I knew Jesus from the time I was in my mother's arms, I'm sure she sang Jesus loves me to me as a lullaby I've never had this dramatic conversion experience, that's not my story of faith as I've gotten older, I'm really glad I had the ease and the protection that I've enjoyed, but you do have a story of faith it's as simple as this was a rough time and, and this is how God worked through it. Or this is how I felt God's presence when I was really discouraged about this. Again, age appropriate. But that story of faith helps your child see how he was it. If you have memories of somebody sharing their story in a way that caught your attention, especially as a child or adolescence. Next one. Use example for scripture in your everyday conversation. Well did you have to be a David today? Were you scared of something and you had to be really brave or no. no that whining It sounds a lot like the Israelites in the the desert, doesn't it? Use appropriately. (laughs) Um, I would want that. um, In our family, there are several deep basketball fans, and they talk about the players on the team on a first name basis as if we had dinner with them Friday night. (laughs) And there's all this conversation going on about that. I would hope there's all that conversation going on about what you're studying in Scripture and what the Sunday school lesson was today and the Bible story that you're reading at night so that their first name basis. Bible study a time that's treasured and enjoyed. I'm going to tell you, I think this is one of the hardest. It's easier when they're little and you can do a, a Bible story at bedtime. It's much harder when they're older. Um, I wish I could in good conscience say you need to have a family devotional every night. We were never able to pull that off. We tried. And again, I'm not giving you an out. I, I'm just saying that some of these things are easier said than done, but there are ways to continue to talk to your children about faith. I think I've told you about the semester that I was so mad that our kids were playing ball all over town, and Fletcher agreed to teach astroni- two, as- two or three astronomy labs, which, of course, are taught at night. So I'm doing all the driving that Tricia Simpson said, it's your van ministry. And it changed. It, cha- it changed my attitude. Yes, we ate an obscene amount of hot dogs and hamburgers that semester, <laughs> but there were all sorts of opportunities to talk. And there is certainly a place for the um, video in the car. If you're traveling 12 hours, please enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I would caution you about missing the opportunity to talk to your kids and the older ones are going to want the headphones in and I, I get that but I would certainly carve out some routine time when we're not going to do that and we're going to talk and it's not always you're not going to always talk about a Bible story but there will be opportunities pray with them for you children It's just nothing much more important, and we've mentioned this: step back and evaluate what your child's development, just issue with his physical or academic. Okay. Now, okay. If I were preaching, and I'm not preaching <coughs> too much, time, I feel really strongly about this. Um, there's even some research that supports this. Um, those of you who are familiar with how we're doing um, the program on Sunday morning from kindergarten to third grade is done in small groups. And there's some things that I frankly don't like about that, but there are some really wonderful things about that. And one of them is just this, because typically the small group leader moves up with that child. So your child may have the, small, the same small group leader during the school year as a kindergartner, and again in first grade and maybe even again in second grade. And so that is an adult that that child knows well. And for the rest of their lives, when they walk through the building, they're going to smile and wave and give a hug. This morning is, I, I came up early to set a little this up, and one of the little boys in my Wednesday night class stopped by. This is I played ball yesterday and I play ball today and I play ball tomorrow. And he chatted with me maybe three or four minutes and then he waited to he saw his wife. But he needs lots of that. He needs to know it's not just the mama and daddy that love me. And frankly, in a big church, that's harder, okay? So grab every opportunity. Extended relationships. In fact, I think the last. Um, I'm going to encourage you to look very seriously at a life group or a life group kind of experience. Um, years ago when we came to of Peak, it was really and Nobody had ever heard of life groups. Um, a f- there were four couples that came to Outer Peak at about the same time. And there were... A little bit of a connection. He knew her from college and they knew them from then. And so one night, one of the couples invited the other three of us to supper. <coughs> and um, we began to talk about the difficulty of really getting to know people. We all had cho- no, three of the couples had children. <coughs> um, of the difficulty of getting to know people at church. I and mean, you kind of pass in the hallway and how are you? And you chat a minute about the weather but you know in terms of really So we began on Sunday nights um, after church to eat supper together. And we did it for 20 years, I guess. Um, There were some things that we didn't do as well about that that I wish we'd done. We started out, we were very conscientious. Not everybody went, we had Sunday night church, not everybody in the group went to Sunday night church, but it was scheduled after Sunday night church so that those of us who wanted to go to Sunday night church did. But even then, we uh, we started out always having a devotional afterwards. We didn't always maintain that, and I regret that. I, as the kids got older, we were not as um, intentional about that. But one of the things that I think is so important is this was a group of three other couples that loved my children. But my children also got to see how three other families operate what the dynamics are and they learned a lot about that they learned some things that they really thought was great and then they saw some things that even <coughs> even as young teens they realized were problematic one of, the participants, one of the couples. he was a physician heavily involved in research and it was consuming And my son, from an early experience in medical school, from the time he entered medical school, he wasn't doing that. He saw what that kind of a lifestyle could do. Now does that mean that every medical researcher, neglects family or, I'm I'm not saying that at all, he just saw the problems with that. And and he even vocalized it. I'm not gonna do that, I don't have a lot. I think there's something very, very healthy about your children knowing the dynamics of families other than your own. It gives them a way to look, a way to pick out what's good, what's not so good. Um, it might help them value you more. I have a rather vivid memory of a conversation with my son, and he was I sent about some my strictness, and I said, well, Douglas, who would you like to go live with? Now we're not really serious that he's going to go live with somebody else. This is kind of a exercise in fantasy. You want to go live with, his best friend was Franklin Bennett. So you want to go live with Jan and, and uh, Frank Bennett? Well, he might have loved to have lived with Frank Bennett, but he was not going to go live with Jan Bennett because he suspected that Jan Bennett was not only as strict as I was, but maybe even stricter. Well, you want to go live with so-and-so?
1: No, no, he didn't much think he wanted to go live with them either.
0: He did decide that maybe he would go live with Collins because he would love having Reed as an older brother. <laughs> but again, I think that's so healthy for him to be aware of the dynamics of other families. So what are you going to do with some of those other families? are making some pretty bad choices. That's part of the package.
1: I think that children have seen um, at least choices that we don't agree with through some of the just church families, school families, whatever, um, and they're old enough now to really have some good conversations about um, what that looks like to still be in relationship and love somebody that you don't always agree with why we don't agree with that what we might do different um, yeah and how do i how do i still be in relationship with this person like this is not a condemning but this is a let's talk about what you saw what happened
0: think they may have any of those issues to deal with someday child cultivate a peer group that encourages spiritual growth. Um, I struggle with this one just a little bit because I'll admit there's a lot of me that kind of wanted to put my kids in a bubble and that in many ways did. Um, My philosophy was that the real world was going to hit them soon enough and I wanted them secure and strong who they were. On the other hand, if we all of our sweet little children that believe together they're not the yeast that the world needs even as teenagers so I do think they need a peer group that will help them I would hope that they can be strong <coughs> enough to be the positive influence in some other places but I knew probably particularly Amy, if Amy misbehaved in a serious way, made bad choices, I don't want to If she made some bad choices, I knew she had some friends that would get in her face and say, what are you doing? And the reality, and I know you're dealing with babies and you're thinking, why are you talking to me about this? But <laughs> the reality is when they had about, well for some it's 12, for some it's 15 or 16, you just in their eyes don't know anything and that's just as normal that's an exaggeration but you don't know what they think their peers know and that's really scary because you know how much their peers don't know but I think it is extraordinarily helpful and how do you do that? it's not easy you can't tell them who their friends are going to be but I think you can at least do what you can do to encourage and the last one i'm gonna i would encourage you to consider the value of excessive attendance and participation i'm sorry there's just a different group of people that are there all the time (coughs) and you, you know who they are and you can count on them and they're there and i think there's a lot of value are you going to hell if you don't do that that is not what i'm saying okay and i'm i guess as much as anything i'm speaking from my experience, this has been helpful to my
1: family. I have a comment and then a question for you to address. This was really fascinating to me, This cultivating a peer group. Um, In my psychology class, I'm dealing with sophomores, juniors, and seniors. I'm talking about something, I don't remember exactly what, but I commented about how there's this interplay between your peers and, you know, school or whatever, and I said, you know, your parents don't really get to choose who your friends are. I said, but they do choose where you live, what school you go to, which, and the looks on some of their faces was like, like, not manipulative, but like, oh, they do actually have more say than I thought they did, <laughs> whereas they realized, like, maybe they chose chosen this school or this church or this whatever for a reason, so I thought that was interesting, where they still felt like, no, these are my friends, and then they realized maybe mom and dad had real reasons for doing this, but then what I'd like you to um, address is, what's the balance between um, this legalistic, we are at church all the time, and Aww. it's tough yeah because i think that's a real danger too it
0: is and 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 that's where i come from i come from that was my growing up background is that you kind of thought you were going to hell if you weren't there every time the doors were open um i i think i i think you've got to be very very careful there um I would like to be to be more positive about it than negative. We're gonna go because it's good for us and it's good for us to be an encouragement. It's not we're gonna go because we're gonna be judged if we're not, or we're gonna be condemned if we're not. And I think the older they get, the more you've got to think of some of those things. I don't like it that society is making it harder for us. I don't like it that they're little league games on Sunday afternoons and used to they started it too, and now they started 11 oh, uh, you're right. Yes, yeah, some starting 8 I, I don't know the answers to all that. I, 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 I do know that I'm not willing to sign a child up to play on a team and then make him the one that the team has to default for every time because he's not ever there because he's got to go to church. I and mean, I think you've got to think about what you're willing to do ahead of time. On the other hand, I, I, I worry sometimes that we're sending a message that little League ball is more important. Than being with the church family. So I, I, don't have, I don't have easy answers. I really thought you were gonna ask a different question. Um, when I was ready to teach this class, I had a conversation with our son and his wife, and I said, okay, be gentle what you're answering, but I wanna know, what do you think we did well, and what do you think we didn't do so well as parents? Um, and what he said we didn't do so well, and he's right is that we lived and we didn't expose him to very many people outside our little family and church group, and he's right. in justifying that, my husband and, both and I worked at Lipscomb. We, we lived in a bowl. Um, but I think Douglas sees the value of really getting to know your neighbors, and they're gonna make some different choices than you do, but that's really good. And he works with people from very different backgrounds. And they form some friendships. And I think he thinks that's good for his kids. And I would agree with him. Um, so, yes. Does he uh, struggle with that balance uh, yes. between the cultural uh, distinctions between a, a church community versus a broader world. Yes, he does. And he struggles in a mighty way with, as he refers to his children, They're rich white kids. And they are, and I know which is a relative term, but he knows they need in their lives children that are very different than they are. And that is not easy to come by. But yes, in fact, it was, they are in a church plant, they are worshiping with a church plant that is in a very, it's a working class neighborhood, but it's a lower class neighborhood. In fact, the they were, it's a very small group. I mean, on a good Sunday, they've got 50 or 60 people. And they were going to do a sunrise service. And we watched the sun come up over Taco Bell. It's not quite the same <coughs> as being out. But they had an uh, Easter egg hunt for the community that afternoon. And it, you know, it was one of those things that they thought, there's no real flop. We might not have anybody, but they did. They had some kids. That, and, you know, they're all there are lots of different colors and lots of different backgrounds and they're all running around <coughs> in these Easter eggs. and he just looked at me and he said, this is what this rich white kid needs. And he's right. And so yes, I, I do. I, I do think that's but I think his point is that the kids need they need those experiences. They need to know how to relate to the rest of the world. And I think the other side of that is they need to be light uh, in places where there's not as much light. I have worried that um, Um, And God has shown me that I've wasted some energy on that. My other children live in New Orleans. I raised my children in Outer and it wasn't nearly as big as this, but it was very similar in the of New very middle class, very affirming, very great youth opportunities. Um, My grandchildren, New Orleans, the oldest grandson is, well, there's probably four that are high school age, and one other, Will consider going to college. I mean, it's just not even on the radar of some of the others. Um, it, it, they're in a very different environment. They're in a, uh, again not. They're in a very very working class um, place, and there's just they're, there's no youth group. There's no. And, and so I've worried about some of those things, and I'm so grateful for the Otter Creek Camp, which lets <coughs> him come and go to camp every summer with our kids, and they're so welcoming. He loves it, but He has a sense of ownership in that small church. He does all the tech stuff for that small church. Will's not going to get the opportunity to do that here. So I, I, I'm saying is there are some advantages and disadvantages in both. And Just be aware, because there may be some opportunities. But yes, I do think when you don't have one kind of opportunity, you want to see if you can make some opportunities. He doesn't have an opportunity with the, the New Orleans grandson, with the kids that are like himself in faith. And so that's a great reason for him to come to church camp at Otta Creek. Will needs an experience in being more where he's needed and has more ownership, if that makes sense. Okay, let me tell you what's going on. Next week, I, the elders are going to be assigned to all the classes and they're gonna come and share some things with us. I think you'll find that very important uh, and interesting and I hope you'll come. Then. The two weeks after that, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of random things. I'm going to talk about some family dynamics. I'm going to talk a little bit about grandparents. Um, if there's uh, talk about some siblings and sibling rivalry, don't have any answers to all of that, but we're going to talk about. If there's specific topics that we've not covered that you want us to cover in these last few weeks, um, you know, feel free to email me if you don't want to tell me what they if you don't want to own what they are. Send me an anonymous letter. Have a good week.